This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. I want to get into part eight of our sermon series in the gospel according to Matthew. Uh, And uh, I'm titling my message today, uh, uh, Fans and Followers. Uh, We have a lot of fans in this place. Where Where are my Cowboys fans at? Totally miss wearing my jersey today. All right, Cowboys fans. Where are my uh, Eagles fans at? Okay, we have three people. Thank you. (laughs) Where are our Giants fans at? Okay, okay. 49ers? One. (laughs) Who else do we have? Anybody else? Lakers. Patriots. Any Patriots fans here? Uh, Okay, just a couple. Okay. Not too much enthusiasm, uh, but it's going to be a bad year for you, just, just prophesying that already. No, no but man, uh, this is, we've been waiting for the season, man. We've been waiting for the Cowboys to start playing, and today is the day, amen, that the Lord has made. So we, we, we have fans in this place. We have fans all over America uh, that are going crazy. Uh, we have men in this place that are managing imaginary leagues and uh, uh, sports teams that, uh, th- you know, they shouldn't be wasting their time on, <clears throat> myself included. But uh, we do it anyways because we're fans of this amazing game called football. Uh, today, I want to title my message, like I said, Fans and Followers. The other day, I got a message from somebody saying, hey, uh, I want you to join this Facebook page. And I, I clicked on the link, and it said, uh, Fans of Jesus, uh, join this uh, Facebook group, and uh, you will be nourished in your, in your walk with Christ. And I was like, really? Fans of Jesus? And, and I took some time to think about it. And I realized that a lot of people are fans of Jesus. They are fans of Jesus, and they're content with being fans of Jesus. Uh, by the way, if you want the sermon notes today, uh, you know, just go ahead and uh, click on the, uh, on the QR code, and it should bring up the, um, the code, uh, for, sorry, bring up the sermon notes on your Bible app for you to follow as we do our message today, or you could go old school and actually take down notes or on your phone. Uh, everything's welcome. But uh, the more and more I thought about it, and the more and more I think of it, I think it's important for us to realize that we are called to be followers of Jesus, not fans of Jesus. Uh, You know, I I was actually looking this up, and uh, hashtag follow is the number three ranked hashtag in all of social media as of today. Uh, Follow me, hashtag follow me is the number nine uh, ranked uh, hashtag in all of social media. Uh, of course, they're not, you know, used in relation to Jesus, but uh, today social media has kind of taken over the world. Uh, actually, today a full-time profession is being a social media influencer. I'm an influencer. That's what people say, right? Uh, follow is a very common term that's actually used in our world that is governed by the laws of social media in today's day and age. You follow people on Instagram, on Twitter, and all these all these social media outlets. And following people on Twitter is easy nowadays. It's, or it's always been. You set up an account, you hit a few buttons, and you're instantly connected with what people are thinking about, what their thoughts are, what their feelings are, what they're saying, what people are doing all over the world. You're a follower. 
You not only get to see what they're saying and doing, but you also share all of this by retweeting their thoughts and comments with your followers. It's this whole world that, that, that we get into where it's all about following and, and following others and having others follow us and feeling important for what we have to say or what we think. Man, following a sports team is easy. You can watch them play and celebrate when they win and cry when they lose, but it, but, but it all goes to say it's easy. You might, it might cost you some money to buy some tickets. It might cost you some money to get a subscription for your TV service. You buy tickets to watch them play in person or purchase merchandise to show your support. It's easy. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus talks to us about the importance of following him, not just being a fan of Jesus. You know, in, in verse number 18, we left off at verse number 17 last week, but verse number 18, the Bible says this, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, if you're following in your Bibles, I, I, I purposely didn't put it on the screen because I want you to pick it, pick it up on your Bibles, on your phones, wherever it is, and I want you to follow along with me. So Matthew chapter 4, that's where we're going with our study, and let's go to verse number 18, and then we'll go all the way to verse 25, we'll pray, and then we'll get into this message, okay? Verse number 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brothers, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. Verse 23, and he went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of heal and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 25, I want you to listen to this. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Pray with me. Father God, would you speak to us through this word this morning? I pray, God, that we will be disciplined in our hearts to listen to this word, to understand this word, to learn from this word. I pray, God, that this word will be life-changing, it will be life-transforming, that, Lord, we will be encouraged through this word. I pray, God, that you will speak to us personally through every word that's spoken from this place. Give me the ability to share this as you have spoken to me, God. And I pray, God, that you'll give me the ability to break this down. Holy Spirit, would you break this down into understandable portions and help this to be applied into our lives? this week and the weeks to come. In Jesus' name I pray and everybody said, amen, amen. Uh, we're introduced to this idea of a group of people that follow Jesus. We're introduced to uh, four people that will go on to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Someone say disciples. The idea of disciples uh, is, is a very, very, very strong and powerful idea as the scripture teaches us what discipleship is all about, why discipleship is important, why you and I are not just called to be Christians and uh, so-called Christians, namesake Christians, Christians on a piece of paper, or Christians on the census, but we are called to be followers of Jesus Christ. And what that means, what does followers of Jesus Christ mean, and how does that connect 
And what does that have to do with being a disciple of Jesus Christ? So you're going to be introduced to four people, all right? Uh, four people in this passage, both of them, two sets of brothers. First, he encounters these two brothers called Simon and Andrew. And along the way, he then encounters two other brothers called James and John. James and John. Simon Andrew, James and John. These are four people that he looks at. Jesus selects, picks, names, calls, and says, you are called to be my disciples. And history will go on to say that these four men will then go on to influence and affect and you know, powerfully change the course and the trajectory of, of history or Christendom as you would know it because of their witness, because of their testimony, because they were willing to lay down their lives, because they understood what the true definition of discipleship truly meant. They understood what it was to follow Jesus Christ. For three years, they listened to Jesus. They listened to his words. For three years, they allowed their hearts to be influenced. They allowed their souls to be touched and, and, and moved by the power of the Holy Spirit in which they were fully convinced that they were called to lay down their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then towards the end of this passage, you understand that there were great crowds of people in verse number 25 that saw, that heard, that experienced, and they were content with being followers or people that were fans of Jesus Christ. These were the people that walked around with him that were, you know, that were really fascinated by the healings. They were fascinated by the signs. They were fascinated by the wonders. They were fascinated by what happened around and the things that happened around and the miracles that happened and the lame being healed and the demon possessed all the way, you know, all of a sudden just kind of the demons coming out of people and manifesting. All of these things were interesting to them. I wonder in what category we can put ourselves in or what category we could have put ourselves in at some point in our lives and what category we wish to be as Christians today. In verse 25, the Bible is very clear when it says, and great crowds followed him. Not a few people, but great crowds. And the sad reality of America is today is that great crowds still are fans of Jesus. What does discipleship look like? What does Jesus see in these four men? Or what did these four men then go on to understand? And what did they do in their very first encounter with Jesus that we can learn about discipleship and about true following of Jesus Christ. And what can we learn about fans? And are we fans or are we followers? These are the questions that we're going to be answering today. We ready? All right. What does real discipleship look like? It looks like radical obedience. Point number one is radical obedience. The Bible says in verse 20, immediately, not later, not afterwards, not the day after, not I have to pray about it, immediately. Someone say immediately. They left their nets and they followed him. Immediately, they followed him. Immediately, they followed him. Two verses down in verse 22, the Bible says he meets, meets James and John. And the Bible says immediately, they left their boat and their father and they followed him. Discipleship looks like radical obedience. It is not old school. It is not traditional. It is not being anti-modern and, and uh, Brother Oshish kind of explained the word in, in today's sense. No, no, no. It's always been that way. It is and will always be that true discipleship comes through true obedience through the Word of God. True obedience to the voice of God. 
through obedience to the people that God puts around our lives. It was uh, who, me? Uh, and, and, you know, Andrew and, 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 and James and Simon and, and John, they were standing over here. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a who, me kind of a deal. It wasn't a, are you talking to me kind of a deal. There were no questions asked. My little one plays a small, she started uh, preschool and she, she, she learned the song. Uh, who took the cookie from the cookie jar? And then she says, daddy took the cookie from the cookie jar. I said, who, me? Yes, you. You know, it's so delightful just to see her react, how she engages. In, but, but it wasn't a, hey, you. And it wasn't a, who, me? But here's the thing, though. In, in the circumstances, the reaction that you would have expected from these four gentlemen would have been exactly that. Hey, you, come follow me. Like, have you ever been there where somebody calls you and you're like, me? Yeah, you. That should have been their reaction. Why? Why, Ashish? But that wasn't their reaction. I'll get to that in just a second. That wasn't their reaction. They didn't flinch. They didn't have to pray about it. Isn't that the Christian way? Uh, hey, do you want to do this? Let me pray about it. Let me pray about it means it's a Christian way of saying, no, I'm, I'm sure. I, I don't want to do that. You know, Let me get back to you a few days. Let me pray and ask God. No, no, no. They didn't want to pray. They don't want to see God's face. Not that I'm saying don't pray about it. Please don't, don't misunderstand me. They didn't have to pray about it. They didn't have to calculate their options. They didn't have to calculate the pros and the cons. They didn't have to do any of that stuff. They seized the opportunity that they otherwise would not have had. I want you to listen very closely. These were four men that were not in the higher echelon of society. These were four men that somebody like Jesus, who was a rabbi, who was a teacher, who was a student of the word. They weren't people that naturally caught the attention of somebody like Jesus. Why? Because they were grateful that they got a seat at the table. What do you mean, Pastor Archers? Because uh, if you were to understand the Jewish educational system, I'm kind of going to kind of being a nerd here for a second. I'm going to geek you out for a second. But there were three levels of education in the Jewish education system. As soon as from from age, for as soon as the kids were born to when they were four, they the the parents would raise them in the in the home and they would teach them memory verses and they would teach them the word of God and they would be raised in the wisdom and the statutes of the Lord. They would drill into them the commandments and Deuteronomy and you, they would drill into them the, the, the hymns and the prayers and they would drill it into them till the age of four. At the age of four, they would start school. The first level of schooling was what was called Beth Sefer. In the first level of school, that was a schooling of the first century where they would memorize the Torah. And what that literally meant was five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They studied it by heart. Not a few verses. They didn't have a memory verse competition. They didn't say whoever learns the most wins. No, no, no. It was, a, it was not an option. It was a, if you were from, from, from five all the way to, uh, to, the age of no, to the age of nine or ten, they were supposed to study all the books of the Bible. You know, they had to learn it inside, all the five books of the Torah, inside out. They had to know it. It wasn't an option. Okay? At the age of ten, from ten to fourteen, they memorized the rest of the scripture. It was kids who got up to these, this level. Not everyone would get up to this level, but if they passed level one, they would, they would study what was called the level of the Bet Talmud. They would study the Talmud, which is they memorized the rest of the scripture. 
They memorized and they, they learned the Jewish art, art of asking questions and giving answers. They learned how to answer a question with a question. They were, they were learned and they were taught that it was important to always have an answer for unbelievers and people that had questions for them. The funny part about this or the, 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 the hard part about this was that not everybody would get through this level. It was very, a very handful of people that actually passed this level to the last and the third level, which was the Bet Midrash. The moment a kid turned 15, a teenager turned 15, very few of these students made it this far. And if you were smart enough to know your scriptures well enough, you would make it this far and you were given an opportunity then to, to go to a rabbi and to seek further instruction. You would have to put a job application in and say, would you take me under you, under your tutelage, under your learning so that I can learn more about the word? Am I talking to somebody? And chances are that these four gentlemen would probably have not made it past level one. And even if they did, they would have probably passed level two. My, my guesses are not. Historians say that they probably didn't. They did the basic education and they were done. Think of it as high school. They didn't, even, they didn't even go to college. They were like, this was it. We can't go any further. They, they, they weren't the, the quickest of people. They weren't the smartest. They weren't the most intelligent. They weren't the most learned. They weren't the most smart ones. They weren't the ones that were going to be handed the word or, or, or to, be, to be given prominent positions. They were the ones, the, 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 the kids that actually passed the Beth Midrash were the ones that would actually go and seek out a, a, a rabbi for them to be under. But here was a rabbi coming to them and saying, hey, follow me. Oh, I don't think you understand this. They were unqualified. See, I used to always wonder why the disciples were so quick to drop their nets, their jobs, their lives to follow Jesus. However, when I understand the dynamic of Jewish education, this completely changes. These were normal guys, y'all. They were working hard to feed their families. In fact, one of them was accounted as being married. We know that Peter was married. We don't even know if the others were married or not. They were young men who their parents probably depended upon for their everyday living. They were not rich men. They were not successful. Here were men that went for days at a time out into the ocean and their families didn't even know if they were going to make it back. They didn't know what storm would take them. They didn't know if their ship would capsize. They didn't know any of that stuff. Sometimes it was a family business that they got into. But they were normal guys. They didn't make the cut. They'd already dropped out of school. They'd resigned themselves to the fact that they probably would never be able to follow a rabbi or even become a disciple as a matter of fact. So you got to understand this. Well, the world told them, they said, you will never become a disciple because you did not pass this level. Jesus was walking right up to them. Right up to their door, knocking at their door and saying, you have a seat at the table. Come on, somebody. It's not a who, me. It's a sign me up, coach. Put me in, coach. I'm red. Hmm. I don't think you understand. There's radical obedience because you know that, man, if the word says it, 
Man, I was unqualified. I was an alien. I was out of the the order. I did not deserve this, but I know through the cross of Jesus Christ who I am and whose I am because of that. When Jesus tells me to do something, when God tells me to do something, my direct response as a disciple of Jesus should be, yes, sir. Am I talking to somebody? Discipleship radically changes when you and I understand that we were never meant to have a seat at the table, but God. Someone say, but God. Oh, to, to these four men, oh, didn't even flinch, didn't even say, oh, can I pray about this? There's no need to pray about this. A rabbi is at my door, knocking at my door, giving me the opportunity of a lifetime. That would be the equivalent of Michael Jordan coming up to a high school kid and saying, hey man, do you want some lessons? The high school kid isn't going to be like, can I pray about it? (laughs) Can can I go ask my daddy about it? No, 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 no. Daddy would be like, are you out of your mind? You should have said yes first. Am I talking to somebody? This, this This is a big deal. This was huge. Discipleship comes with radical obedience. If the word says it, man, I'm not going to argue it. If God said it, I'm not going to disbelieve it. My Jesus is right. He's always been. He always will be. And if God has spoken to your life, if God speaks to your life, it could be through a sermon. It could be through a devotional. It could be through a person. If God speaks to you, remember to take it. Remember to run with it. Because remember, radical obedience is, a, is, a, is the result of radical obedience is intense discipleship. Well, you and each each one of us say, you know what? I know what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. Radical obedience is one. The second one is radical denial. The second thing that made them disciples and not fans is radical denial. If anyone wishes to come after me, Mark 8, verse 34, the Bible says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Someone say, deny himself. What does that mean? Can I tell you something? God teaches you self-denial. Someone says self-denial. He teaches you self-denial by placing you in situations where you must deliberately choose between loving Jesus or loving yourself. And I'm telling you, this is going to come day after day in your life. Umpteen opportunity is going to come knocking at your door. When you even consider the events surrounding Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection... Man, those 12 disciples that we're talking about, they didn't fare well on that day. When push came to shove, Judas betrayed Jesus. The same guy that Jesus picks, Peter denies him. The Bible says the rest of the disciples were out. Peace out is what they said. They they were out of there. If this was their final exam, all of them failed. But yo, one man stepped up. He He wasn't a superstar. He was not even a disciple. He was unknown in the discipleship circles until that first Good Friday. That man's name was Joseph. The dude stepped up and he was a secret disciple of sorts. But on that day, the previous silence had given away to some boldness. 
where at the most critical and dangerous moments, man, secrecy turned into, you know, to, to this, I'm sold out for, for this person. And, and I, not, I might not have been on the stage or I might not have had the mic, but you know what? When the time comes, I got to be able to deny myself. And Jesus says that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. This is what Jesus, Joseph did. He said no to his own selfish, self-preserving desires. And he said yes to God. For so many of us, that pathway to self-denial looks, looks differently, y'all. For some of us, it's choosing to do the hard thing. You know, it's Judas Smith who says uh, he has a different understanding of this verse in Matthew chapter 4 when he understands and reads the message translation where the Bible doesn't say, where Jesus walks up to them and says, he doesn't say, follow me. He says, come with me. He says, come with me. He says, discipleship is about going with Jesus. G discipleship in its true reality is about Jesus standing in the front and him saying, come with me. See, the thing about us and modern evangelism and modern evangelicals and modern Christian, uh, the Christian circles is this. If we're not careful, we're slowly becoming a part of the culture where we're like, hey, Jesus, I'm here. This is where I am. Come on. Let's go. Come along the ride with me. My time is like, this is my family. These are my choices. These are my affiliations. These are my likes. These are my dislikes. These are my affinities. These are the things I really hate. These are the people, Jesus, that I can't stand. Come with me. Am I talking? This place is awfully quiet because you know this is true. We put ourselves in certain paradigms. We put ourselves in certain bubbles. We put ourselves in certain places where we are beyond reach, where it's, it's this, this glorified, you know, understanding of, okay, this is where we want to be. Uh, and, and, and you're like, hey, Jesus, can you, can you just come along the ride? I'm, I'm kind of going on this ride, and would you come with me? And, and God's like, Ashish, but I'm God. I know that God, like, God, I know that you're God, but I have a plan, God. I, I would love for you to just come along. But he's like, but I have a plan. But I have a plan, a bigger plan. I, I have, but, but, but I have a plan too, God. See, the thing is, I totally agree with your idea, God. I love your principles. I totally rep your label, God. I wear your shirt. I wear that band that says WWJD. I'm doing all the right things, God. I'm, I'm coming to church on Sunday mornings. I'm bringing my kids, Lord. I, 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 you know, we, we do the church stuff, Lord. We give, we tithe, we make sure we come to Bible study. We make sure we, we take notes. Everything is checked off, God. Come on. I do all this for you. See, the call, come with me, was such an unsure, abstract call. But that call carried so much weight. Follow me was just this, I don't know where I'm going. Like, like Lord, do you have like a five-year plan? Like, do you have a 10-year plan? Do you have like even a one-year plan? Nope. You'll be lucky if you get three. Come on, I'm not talking to somebody. 
We're not talking about five years over here. It was, a, it was such a weighty call. And Christianity was, was called that way. Man, it's, it's, it's just that. It's, sometimes it's the unknown. It's the leap of faith. It's, sometimes it's the, I don't know what I'm going to do, but if God called me to it, sometimes it involves denying myself. You know, before Christianity was called Christianity, that's not what we were called. Like, that's not the name we gave ourselves. Back in the first century, they called themselves the way. That's what they call themselves. Paul refers to it a ton of times in the scriptures. They call themselves the way. That's the name we gave ourselves. People started looking at us and saying, those are Christ followers, Christians. It kind of stuck. But it was called the way. Going in his way. Going in his path. It's called Jesus' way. Someone say Jesus' way. It's not a, this is my way. Hey, Jesus, come on, let's go. Jesus, would you just, just be with us? Would you cover us? Would you give us, you know, we're, we're about to take this decision. Would you just oversee this? No, 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 no. It's about, Lord, what do you want us to do? What is your will? See, the biggest threat to church today is fans who call themselves Christians, but they're not interested in following, y'all. They want to be close enough to get the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. Can I keep going? Anybody offended as yet? Sometimes denying yourself means stepping into the void where no one else will. Denying self often happens when you step into those vacant places that no one else is willing to step into. That's what denying yourself means. It means it's going to take some extra effort out of me. It's going to take me out of my comfort zone. It's going to make me uncomfortable, but it's okay. As long as Jesus is glorified, as long as Jesus is lifted up, as long as the the kingdom enlarges, and as long as the gospel is spread, let me step into the void. How many of you see voids around you that need to be filled day after day? I tell my six-year-old all the time, we, I remind herself in my, in my, in my conversations, when I, when, I, when I pick her up from school every day, I ask her, hey, who did you sit next to for lunch? I ask her questions about her day. I ask her questions about who she talked to, about who she mingled with. We talk to our little one who just started going to, our school, to, to her school, a three-year-old. It brought me so much joy when her teacher looked at me and said, there was a new student that came into into class and she didn't know the language and Carissa was holding her hand and helping her and taking her. When she cried, she was was wiping her tears out and telling her it's okay, it's going to be all right, helping her to to, to lunch and, and and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I asked my little one all the time, my six-year-old. I was like, hey, was there anybody that was sitting by themselves in the cafeteria today? Yes. I said, would you do me a favor? Would you go and sit next to them tomorrow if they're sitting by themselves? Or if you see anybody else? It brought me so much joy the other day when Michaela looked at me and said, Daddy, I don't don't remember the name of the girl. She She was sitting by herself. She was really sad. I went and sat next to her. I said, thank you, Jesus. I'm doing something right. We need to raise a generation. I'm talking to adults. I'm not talking to children. I'm talking to adults that need to keep your eye open in this world around you. There are so many people that are smiling on the outside, but all it takes is one conversation that you need to have with them. And you will see how much of pain and grief and depression and darkness they're going through. And what they need is somebody to step in and say, Jesus got your back. Too many of us are so self, uh, you know, uh, 
absorbed and engulfed in our own worlds that we don't want to be inconvenienced. Can I go on? There's radical obedience, there's radical denial, and I'll, I'll close with this third one. It's radical sacrifice. Same verses, verse 20 and 22. Immediately, they left their nets. Someone say, they left their nets. They left their boat and their father. Verse 22, they left their boat and their father. Oh, man. You know, oftentimes we're unable to grasp things and take on things because we're holding so tight to the things that we're familiar with. We're unable to take bold steps of obedience. We're unable to take on things to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ because there are things that we're so familiar with, things that we're holding on to, things that we're embracing, things we're holding so close to our heart that we just can't let go. The familiarity is so comfortable. Am I talking to somebody? These nets, man, I've had, that's all I know, Ashish. My dad, this is my dad. I can't just leave him hanging. He's depending. We're the only two boys in this house. He's trusting on and that's where their livelihood. It's how they provided for their families. It's how they put food on the table. It's how they helped care for even feed the people in their neighborhoods. That was the culture back in the day. When someone says, man, I want to be a true follower. Now, nah, please don't get me wrong. Yes, this might be a message to somebody that does not know Jesus that I'm encouraging you to become a follower. But this message is more to so many people here that think that you're followers of Jesus Christ, but do not really follow these principles that lead them to the cross. It's so significant. They leave their father in a boat to walk away, like what, like, trust me, I'm not, I'm not saying leave your family, I'm not saying, you know, leave your job, I'm not saying let's move to China, if that's you, thank you, if you've been praying and saying, God, I want to be a missionary and I need a sign, and today, you said, I need a sign this morning, and this might be your sign, I don't want you to discount the sign, that's not what I'm saying, but there, are, there might be people over here that are not called to leave your jobs. There might be people that are not called to leave your, the, the, you know, your families or your father. Your, it, that, that's not what I'm saying. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying there are things in your life, there are objects in your life, there are people in your life, there are comforts in your life that you need to identify and ask God, God, what are things that I need to leave and let go of so that I can embrace and grasp onto things that have eternal significance? Sometimes it's just getting out of your comfort zones at work out of your comfort zones at church, to just go to talk to somebody. Like, like we're, I, sometimes I'm guilty of this. I go outside and I just talk to the same old people. I, I, same son, every Sunday I talk to the same old people. And, and I try to talk, talk, talk to all of you guys, but sometimes it's the same people. And I'm gonna encourage you guys, try to talk to somebody that you've never talked to. Go in and, I encourage you, it's okay. You'll be fine. You have the number of that person that you're gonna talk to first as soon as you walk out. You can talk to them on Wednesday. You can talk to them on Monday. Forget Wednesday. If you need it sooner, after you leave work. But connect with somebody as soon as you walk out. Somebody that you've never seen before. Go out of your way. Be inconvenienced. Some of y'all getting mad. Let me go on. <laughs> Oof. Hmm. See, the decision to follow Jesus has this influence on their destiny, and that's something that they don't see immediately, but they're going to see. 
C.S. Lewis says something so powerful. He says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Sometimes it's just having to say, hey, you know what? I don't crave those desires anymore. I don't crave it as I, as, I, as I used to anymore. See, true disciple looks like sacrifice. It looks like radical sacrifice, giving up. Someone say giving up. The Bible gives us two great examples of followers. The first one is these four gentlemen who leaves everything and follow Jesus. Seconds later in Matthew, the, the, the second, sorry, is later in Matthew chapter 19. A rich man asked Jesus, man, what do I do to be perfect? Jesus tells him that he must keep all the commandments to which the young man replies, all these things I've kept. I've kept all the commandments. What am I still lacking? And he said, Jesus tells him, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor that you may have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And the man looked at Jesus and said, that I cannot do. He says, that I cannot do. I cannot leave everything and follow you. If I can hold on to all of these things and follow you, sign me up. But if it makes me uncomfortable, it, if, it, if it involves me sacrificing something, if it involves me giving to missions or giving to the Lord or, or, or taking my time out to serve or do any of this stuff, no, 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 that's not me. Clearly, he admired Jesus. I mean, he, he, he thought he was a great teacher. He came to him for advice. He was a fan. But, but, but that's where it stopped. He wasn't a follower. And the purpose of the church, and this church in particular, is, is to make disciples, not just to add names to our membership list or for people to just go through growth track and say, hey, we have these many people. I would rather prefer a healthy church rather than a church that is big in number. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say, and, and, and I hate to, to break it to some of us today, but it is not about the numbers. It is not about people and people and people and people. If we don't have solid people, because the name of our church is Commission Church, people that are called to fulfill the great commission, and that starts with a word, go. Go ye therefore into all the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And if there are people that say, Pastor, you can ask me to do this and this and this and this and that, but don't ask me to go. Don't ask me to go. And that, like I said again, I want to clarify, that doesn't just mean going to Africa. That just doesn't mean selling all your positions and moving to Peru or Hawaii. Some of you are like, sign me up. <laughs> That's not what it means. Sometimes it's in your job. Sometimes it's in your family. Sometimes it's that person that you haven't spoken to in such a long time. Sometimes that person that you fought with, that you had a disagreement with. And man, you're, sometimes it's just those small acts that God is looking at someone to take on today. David Platt beautifully talks about this in one of his books. And he says, man, what does it mean to be a become a disciple? Does it just mean that one prayer that you do? Jesus, I accept you into my heart. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Good. You're a disciple of Jesus. Is that it? Does that truly what means to be a disciple? Is that what it, like, is it a prayer? Is it a sinner's prayer? Like, is discipleship a sinner's prayer? 
When Jesus said, come with me, when Jesus said, follow me, that that wasn't an invitation to say a prayer. It was a summons to lose their lives. Y'all, if you don't get this, you don't understand discipleship. It wasn't a, hey, come on, let's do this. Let's have a small commune. Let's live together. Let's build a small community. No, no, no. It was a, come, follow me. Your lives are on stake. You're going to be hung. You're going to be dragged by horses. You're going to be thrown off a cliff. You're going to be crucified upside down. You're going to be beheaded. Oh, Oh, you didn't understand that part of the gospel. Oh, that's, that's the part that they didn't teach you in Sunday school. That was the R-rated stuff that came along with discipleship. That's the stuff that Jesus said, if you follow me, they will hate you. He didn't say, if you follow me, you're going to have a better roses. He said, if you follow me, you're going to have hatred. People are going to hate you. Your boss is going to hate you. Your people around you are going to hate you. They're going to make you do things that you don't want to do. They're going to make you lie. They're going to make you steal. They're going to make you do stuff in your business and in your job that, are, that is unethical. But, but he says, but sometimes you got to look at them and say, it doesn't matter. I may lose this job, but I'm going to let you know that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Beverly will tell you that. Beverly and I were having a, Sonia and I were having a conversation a few weeks ago, and she said, Pastor, at my job, they're asking me to do the stuff that I can't do. It doesn't allow me to do that because I'm a Christian, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And I looked at Beverly and said, God will bless you. You are not going to want. If they're going to fire you because you don't do unethical stuff and things that you shouldn't be doing, man, I'm telling you something. God will honor you in the midst of everyone that wants to bring you down. I'm encouraging some people in the workforce today, some people in corporate America today, some people that run your own businesses. I'm encouraging you. The shortcut is not always always the right way. It is narrow. It is narrow. The right way is always narrow. But when you look at God, you should look at him and say, man, following Jesus is not the shortcut. It's the long, winding, tiresome, brutal way. But I will say yes to that because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Somewhere along the way, man, due to cultural ties in the popular church, trends and, and, and trends, we've completely missed the message and we've missed the call. Because these trendy phrases, come as you are. We don't care what you do. No, no, no. Discipleship is about, no, no, no. There's, there's, there's some strict stuff that you got to do. You got to read your word. You got to be a part of community. Come on, somebody. As your pastor, you're going to give me the permission to call you up and text you and say, there are things that you got to do to fulfill this great calling on your lives. You got to come to church. You got to be a part of community. You got to come and, and, and have fellowship with one another. You got to read your word. You got to pray. You got to treat your husband right. You got to treat your wife right. Come on. You got to bring your children to church. You got to raise them up in church. As a pastor, I'm going to hold you accountable for these things because God has given me that, 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 that responsibility. You guys can get ready on the stage. Because we're okay with the watered-down version. The watered-down version is so palatable that it's not not real anymore, y'all. There's so many men, women, and children that culturally identify themselves as Christians, but sadly, they're not biblically followers of Jesus Christ. Y'all fans. I'll give you a t-shirt that says, I'm a fan of Jesus Christ. 
If you're happy with that, run, run around with that. Be happy with your WWJD bracelet. I love my WWJD bracelet. It's not what I'm saying, but you get what I'm saying, right? Discipleship is serious. Someone say, discipleship is serious. You know, there's one thing that I dread the most as a pastor. Is that verse in the Bible that, that say, many men, many will come to me and say to me, I was prophet, I was a prophet, I was a, I came to church, I prophesied, I did this, I did that, I did all these fancy things, but I'm going to look at them literally and say, I don't know you. I didn't know you, that's what the Bible says, I, I, sorry I don't know your name. That's a scary proposition, y'all. That's a very, very scary proposition. And the reality is that many people in church will stand in front of the Lord one day and hear those words, I do not know you. Why? Because you are not a follower. We need to take a look at our lives. Are we really biblically, personally following Jesus? Because eternity depends upon that question. Following is hard, y'all. It's hard. I'm going to leave you with this. Following is hard. Someone say it's hard. In John chapter 6 and verse 2, the Bible says this, and a great crowd of people. Someone say great crowd. Remember the great crowd from earlier? They were everywhere, fans. The fans followed him because they saw the signs he had performed. Here's the thing. How do you know you're, you're, you're a fan? Because you'll follow as long as things are going good. <laughs> the moment your team loses, what you're going to say? Fire the head coach. Cowboys are gonna rot. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Told you Ezekiel Elliott should not have been given that extension. Told you Dak was gonna hurt him. No. See, that's the thing with fans. You're wishy-washy, you know? That's what fans are. <laughs> Do you know any wishy-washy Christians? Some of y'all looking at your husbands. No, no, no. Y'all know any wish you, when the times are good, you're like, call me in. I got my Jesus shirt on. I got my bracelet on. I'm dancing on the streets. Everybody knows Jesus. But man, when hard times come and hit, Jesus, who Jesus? I'd rather cling on to other things. I don't see you in church for seven weeks. No, please don't disappear, okay? I want to see you. Thank God, I, because here's, here's discipleship. See, that's the difference between followers and fans. Followers are like, man, and, and that's why these guys, after running away, this conviction that comes into these disciples, 12 of them, 11 of them, that, that ran away, God looks at them and says, man, what are you guys doing? And Jesus looks at them and says, man, what are you doing? But here's the thing, in John chapter 6 and verse 2, a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Oh man, I see this, I see this, I see this, I see this. But as soon as Jesus disappears, the wishy-washy kicks in. Oof. Fast forward, these same crowd of people on verse 60 in John chapter 6, on hearing it, the, many, the, the message that Jesus was preaching, many disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Come on. 
Can I, I, I hate to break it to you, but the teachings of Jesus are some of the most hardest teachings you will ever encounter. Hardest teachings. If you're here because you wanted a pep talk, you wanted someone to make you feel good, sorry you came to the wrong place. I can give you some addresses that you can go to next Sunday. This isn't the place. This is the place where we make Christ followers. We prepare you for the worst. We prepare you for moments that are going to come and they're trying moments and they're going to be moments that's going to tear you apart. But the anchor that you put in is what we're training you about. We're, we're, we're teaching you about. He says, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Verse 61, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, the fans, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Did you hear me asking you guys earlier? Does this offend you? Not because I was going to stop preaching. You can't give me enough money to stop preaching. Sorry. I don't do this for the big bucks. Verse 66. From this time, listen. From this time, many, someone say many, of his disciples turned back and no longer followed Jesus. The same ones that said, no turning back. No turning back. Sorry, I butchered it. You get the idea. I have decided to follow. They were on the Jesus train, y'all. But the moment Jesus said, y'all, this is, this is hard stuff. You offended? Sure am. Jesus said, there's the door. And they did it. They walked away. And Jesus unapologetically looks at his rest of the disciples and says, you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus looked at the 12 and asked them. And that's the same question that Jesus is asking some of us sitting here, disciples and saying, you don't want to leave, do you? Like, you don't want to bail, do you? Do you, you don't want to walk away, do you? Because this is going to be hard, y'all. It's going to be super hard. Stand up to your feet, stand up to your feet. I know you can't take down notes right now. Take a picture of this next slide when all seven points come up, okay? But I'm going to give you seven tips as to how you're going to be a disciple this week. Okay, you're like, Pastor, yes, you told me about discipleship. Give me some tools. Give me some tools. One, you can be a disciple of Jesus by following Jesus' example of discipleship, by teaching. By teaching, teaching and being submitted to teaching, being available. We're going through the gospel of Matthew. Hey, if you can't make it on a Sunday, I understand you're working, you have other commitments, make sure you tune in online. Don't miss the message. How many of y'all know when I text y'all, I say, hey, listen to the message this week. Why? Because it's powerful, it's important to your well-being. Fill yourself with the word. Parents, listen to this. You have 168 hours a week, 168 hours a week, 38 of those hours your kids spend at school, two hours at church, two hours at church, 128 hours they spend at home. If you are expecting me, can I be real? You're going to be offended? Who cares? <laughs> Just kidding. If you expect me 
or their kids' teachers. I'm, I'm saying this to fill in the void. We were having this conversation, a couple of us were having this conversation this last week. If you expect us to spiritually feed your kids when you sit back and do nothing at home, come on, am I talking to somebody? Your kids ain't learning anything. We're planting a seed. We send back with them what they need to learn at home. Please teach them. Please encourage them. Push them forward. When you get that email, when you get that, when you get, teach them during the week. Teach, learn yourself. When you go back home, learn through the word. Learn what you learned at church. The next one is acting out what you learned. Modeling, acting as an example. John 13, 14 says, do as I have done to you. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. The third one is loving others. Love other people. Discipleship is not just about coming and sitting at a chair on Sunday. We don't want bench warmers. We want people that can actually fulfill and act out the mission. Love other people. He said, this commandment that I've given you, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. That's what the Bible says. The fourth one is connecting with others. Connect with others. It's important to be in community. Someone say, it's important to be in community. Attend your life groups. Share your prayer requests with one another. Keep in touch with people. Message your pastor when you're sick. Let me not know through Instagram. Am I talking to some? I don't want to hear, Pastor, you have too much on your plate. No, 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 no. Dude, I have a lot on my plate, but I am not too busy to pray for you. Not too busy to stop in my day and give you what you need, a spiritual scripture reference, whatever it is. I am not too busy, but that's my job. I want you to know that. Connect with people in your life group. Sign up to be a part of your life group. Don't say, you're not bigger than your life group. Come on. Next one is correction. Be open to correction. Be open to correcting. Jesus did that a lot. When Jesus turned, he saw the disciples, he corrected Peter. Jesus reprimanded them. Why are you gripped with fear? Where's your faith? Jesus asked. Jesus corrects them often. And the last one is this, serve. Jesus was first and foremost as a servant. He said that he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. Take a picture of that. That's how you be a disciple of Jesus. This is what you do during this week. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, not a fan, a follower of Jesus, practice these, verse seven, inviting the last one. Sorry, I didn't even go to that. The last one is inviting. Invite others to walk alongside to do the same. Invite other people. Sorry, for those of you all who took a picture, there's a delete option. <laughs> Go ahead and take one. Some of you are like, oh, I took some gigs on my phone. No, just take another one. Invite others to walk alongside to do the same. Don't just be satisfied that you know Jesus. Hey, if you need, if you know somebody that needs to be here, bring them to church. Billy and Angela started attending here a few months ago, two months ago. Man, every other Sunday, I see them bringing somebody to church. This Wednesday, they brought somebody to church and they come and they're blessed and they leave. Come on, somebody. I need you to seek. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and search through those who were what? Lost. It says, do. 
do to others. Seek people that need Jesus. Bring them, invite them to church. Tell them to come sit next to you in church. God's gonna do some amazing stuff. Some of y'all need to surrender. Worship team, if y'all could just lead us in a few moments of worship. I'm gonna come back here. We're gonna close by 11.45, but I want us to just focus in on the Lord today as we pray, as we just submit ourselves in prayer. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.